0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. And I almost said I'm Jamie. I'm not even going to lie. I was was (laughs) like, I'm not Jamie. Just
1: part of the flow. You can do, if you want to be me today, Corey, you can be me today. There is
0: only one you, and I'm not even going to try to do that. Um, How are you today?
1: I'm doing very well. Um, We are uh, recording on a Friday, which is not our usual day, Um, but it is. Fun to be doing this on a Friday because it's like I don't know I'm in a different mood, you know, middle of the week versus a Friday. I'm uh, I'm ready to go for the weekend. Uh, my new job is absolutely bananas and I work 24 seven almost. It feels like so, um, but I'm I'm learning to set boundaries and uh, I intend to very much rest and renew this weekend. <laughs> How's everything in Michigan?
0: michigan's great um today's actually my day off i uh i work for an organization that um through the pandemic we actually started talking about we should have like times where we're going to take weeks off for like mental health so our office is closed next week completely so like wow like so none of us are like we're all like don't answer emails we're not going to talk to each other except for social stuff but so we're shutting down for the week and then uh, taking a little vacation with the family this next week and then my son's birthday is, uh, Monday after next. So.
1: Yeah. you got a lot of good, good, you know, happy time going on. I'm excited for you. he,
0: He graduated. He, he graduated daycare yesterday at four years old. He's been there since he was a baby. Um, now he's going to preschool next year and his daycare teacher was like getting emotional crying, like talking about him and stuff. And it was very, very, uh, you know, bittersweet. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been a good day so far. Just slept in and now I get to talk to you fine folks. So.
1: Yeah, awesome. Um so it's you know interesting that we're talking about work because today's uh grief journey uh was born out of some uh work grief, work related grief. Um and so I would like to welcome our guest Christina. Um Christina and I know each other from Uh, An organization I volunteer with called path to college and when I met Christina and I she's got a, a personality and a smile that is so warm and infectious and I was so excited that she had joined our organization and then I got to know her and was even more blown away by the many hats she wears so please welcome Christina.
2: Oh my gosh, Jamie, stop. I'm gonna have to
1: gosh goodness. I'm sitting here like blushing. Stop it. Thank you,
2: thank you, thank you. It's 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 so exciting to be here. Um I've been looking forward to this. Uh, and I'm excited to just talk with you guys. Corey, congratulations. Please hire me wherever you're working. <laughs> Shh, don't tell my boss, Jamie. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to like week vacations. Like, give it, give it to me, give it to me. Sometimes you need those. You need those like those, those, those kind of like hard stops, and then like a reset, and it just brings you back with even more momentum and drive. So,
0: get over to
2: Path to College. Come teach us how you do what you do. <laughs> there you go. Love it,
1: love it. When uh, recently, I Christine and I had had a conversation um, about all of the hats she wears. And um, some of the, the side adventures that she's been on and where they, where they started. And so that's why I wanted Christina to come on, because I know that her story is going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, you know, workplace grief is not something we necessarily talk about very often. Or at least I haven't come across a lot of conversations about it. Um, but it it can be, uh, you know, we spend so much time at work, uh, oftentimes more than 40 hours a week and, uh, that's a huge impact on our lives. And, and so, um, I'm just going to let Christina go ahead and, and tell us her story.
2: Well, thank you, Jamie. And, And I agree when you kind of invited me and said, come on over here, let's talk about this. Let's talk about not only the workplace grief, but also what what it led to and what doors it opened um, after, which is what I'm really excited to talk about. Yes, today, exactly.
1: So. <laughs> exactly. The
2: opportunities. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's also just, I think grief in general, like just talking about the hardships sometimes that we go through, it's hard because we want to just kind of put a lid on that, squash it, forget it, leave it in the past and just move on. Um, but to really just kind of talk about it, it it's a, it's a place of vulnerability that you have to visit that sometimes I think a lot of people just don't want to. Um, it took me a very long time to kind of get to the point where I was able to talk comfortably about, um, you know, that situation and, and what had all happened. And I think it was like the further removed that I was, I was able to see it clear and realize that I was placing a lot of blame on myself. I was placing a lot of blame on, you know, the individuals that like where I worked with, but I realized, you know, there was a lot to learn from that situation as well. And I took all of those lessons that I learned and applied it to everything that I'm doing now. So really like, you know, you know, like lots of red flags, I think present themselves when you're, in, when you're entering a place that you probably shouldn't have been in the first place, but you know, like you just kind of, you're, you're just excited and you're like, woo. Um, so this was, <laughs> yeah, this was a position that, um, you know, I was, I always knew that I wanted to lead or manage a company, whether it's my own company or, or something else. And so, uh, you know, at, at 29 years old, I was given the opportunity to be, you know, be the, the lead and the director of an organization that I was, you know, very passionate about and that I felt like it could really make a difference in um, the young children's lives that we served. Um, and so I, I took the position, very little vetting, did not do my due diligence, and just was like, yes. Job.
1: Woohoo. Sure. I mean, and that's (laughs) that's normal, right? Like, especially when you're younger and it's like something that you're passionate about. Like, who would even think that you're you're being handed your dream job? In uh, so many words, that like there would be something wrong with it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And
2: so, you know, I I took it on and I, you know i one of those people, like, I'm like, my um, employer at the time, she called me the little engine that could, um, meaning that, like, just anything you put on my plate, it would get done, no matter how much time it took me, no matter how many sacrifices I was making in my own personal life, or compromises I was making, like, I was going to get it done. And so I think that energy that I brought they took full advantage of it and so it got to the point where like I just had no balance I had no balance I have two young kids I wasn't spending time with my kids I was being a horrible mom in my own opinion like I my husband was just kind of like on the back burner it was like whenever if ever I see him we would spend time Um, and so like the job really just kind of took over and I let it because I had never had a a position like that. And so I thought that that's what I had to do. And I didn't realize the balance that I had to, to strike. And so it really just everything kind of just got off whack and off balance. And then, you know, I think when you're working with certain people, especially personalities, um, you know, people learn that if you let them do something, they'll, they're allowed to continue to do it. And so that kind of happened with this employer. And it's just kind of like, it was Do this and do that, and answer emails at 10 o'clock at night, and pick up my call at 6 a.m. in the morning, and this, that, and the other. And it just, it just, it was too much. It got too much. And like when I snowballed, when I tried to start setting boundaries, it was just like, wait a minute, what do you mean, boundaries? (laughs) Like, this is normal, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? And so it just kind of started causing, you know, headbutting, you know, um, in terms of like, this is what I'm willing and not willing to do anymore. But it was like, I had already set a precedent and so it became normalized. Um, and so with me trying to fix it and them expecting things, it just, it got really just nasty. And and then, you know, there were also, of course, behind the scenes things happening within the organization that, you know, it, it just, it needed to be fixed and needed to be addressed. And me trying to address all of that, like, it was just kind of like, you're, you're questioning their authority um, and so just, it just caused a lot of issues. And so within a, about a good six month period, like it was just time, it was just time to just separate.
1: Wow. And, I, and that's fast. So you started this, this role and within six months, you felt like you were imploding.
2: I was imploding and, you know, and it just got to the point where I was just like, I didn't know how to leave because in my mind, I saw it as a failure. I saw it as a failure. And so I kept trying to do everything in my power to fix it to, I should have quit. I should have quit <laughs> much, much long time, uh, much longer time ago, but I kept trying to fix it. Right. It was like, um, it's like that fixer mentality of a lot of sure. we, we come into a space and we're thinking I can do it all. I can take this thing that was once, you know, like this and make it all better. And so that's like the vision that I kept having was I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. No matter how bad it's getting, I'm going to fix it. And so I stayed a lot longer than I really should have, because it really just wasn't a good fit. And, you know, ultimately I just stayed thinking that I could fix it. And finally, when I left, you know, I, I went into a deep depression It and, and it's hard to admit that, but I went into a depression because I'm not good at failure. I'm not good at saying that I didn't do something with excellence and with, you know, all the pretty rainbows and stars. I couldn't say that. Being a type being a type A grade A 4.0 GPA student that I was, it was very hard for me to admit failure and to admit
1: loss. But was it failure? You know, I think that's something to to examine in, in hindsight of like, was it maybe failure in your own eyes? But like if you look back, like I'm sure you can look back and go, no,
0: I really did a whole lot for those people. Just just out of curiosity, was it a nonprofit? Yes. So, yeah, so I can chime in here because so uh, I, I'm hearing this and I'm like, okay, this is a nonprofit. I'm pretty sure it's a nonprofit because uh, so I do work for a nonprofit and I get that. Like I'm, we talked a second ago about like how fortunate I am with things, but also too, the nature of the nonprofit is that because it comes from such a personal place, that's are personally invested in the mission because something you care about so close, you can easily overextend yourself. Yeah. when i got the job when i first got my job and i've been there for seven years now i love it but i mean i would do everything i would find ways to to sneak my not sneak myself but like put myself in places where they always needed me because for me it was if they always need me they never they never outgrow me (laughs) and granted i also had like i started a family and things started to be able to kind of you know separate but uh yeah when when you're a nonprofit like you I make this joke like ever, like the, the corporate world, no offense, Jamie, like a hundred percent the nonprofit. It's like 200% of yourself. Yeah, because, sure. Because, you know, it's the heart's there <laughs> because someone's yes. got to do it because usually nonprofits are, you know, smaller, smaller groups. They're usually paying you less. Um, they're, you know, the technology's a little dated, you know, they're, they're usually trying to keep themselves relevant, but they're still like stuck with, they're not as progressive as like a corporate culture. So you're just like, okay, this is what's going on. And I'm just going to go with it. And I'm going to go with it. And then eventually you like, you have to.
2: Yeah. And Corey, you make a good point because I was working with kids for, for whatever reason, somehow, some way, most of my jobs or, or leadership roles that I've been in have we usually dealt with kids or just, you know, people who are in positions that like, they need help. Yes. And so like, I think, I don't know, call it savior complex, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> but
1: I, I, hero was, complex,
2: hero. Thank you. Hero complex. I was in a space where I was just like, no, I can't leave. Even if like, it's, it's really bad with these board members whatever these kids need me I can't leave and so I kept just staying even when I really should have left I kept staying because I'm like what are these kids going to do without me who's going to be able to support them if I'm gone and so you talk yourself into these (laughs) bad situations um it really just took a long time to kind of get out of that most
0: definitely
1: and that's something I think you know is a, a factor in a lot of in just relationships in general um, you know, we see people doing it. You know, staying in abusive relationships because yeah. of that. You know, it's it's, what's it's familiar, right? And it's also that like you have a huge heart. You know, folks with huge hearts tend to overextend themselves because they just want to help. Um, and you know, trying to find yourself your way back to yourself. Um, so tell us a little bit more about how you you, you know, after, after this, you know, I guess maybe we start back from like, when you, when you left and you got really depressed and, um, what was that, what was going on during that time?
2: And oddly enough, it was right in the middle of the middle of the pandemic. So just imagine, you know, going through such a hard, uh, you know, employer experience, resigning, and then being in the, in the middle of the pandemic, so I can't see people, I can't hug people, and I'm a very people-centric person, like, hugs fill me up, right, and so to not have anybody, but just, like, my immediate family, my husband, and my kids, like, it, it just, and we were all in each other's spaces and faces <laughs> yeah. all the time, and, you know, the kiddos, like, they're, you know, fighting back and forth with each other, mommy, you know, so-and-so did this, mommy did this. and it's like, and you you just need like a little space to yourself and you can't because you can't go anywhere there's nothing open it was it was like right around may it was may like so like two months into the pandemic when everything shut down no restaurants no fun places no parks everything was shut down so it was like my only oasis was my backyard and even then it wasn't an oasis because that it was so much time before the kids found me like in my whatever little hiding (laughs) whatever little hiding spot i could find And so it just really just kind of took a toll on my mental health, on my ability to just kind of rebound. And so I just spent sometimes just moments in just darkness where I just didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, And then I don't know what happened, but it was my 32nd birthday was June 23rd. And I literally just kind of moped that entire, like that was the worst birthday I've ever had. I just sat on the couch, like binge watched TV and moped All day. (laughs) It was
1: was a quarantine birthday.
2: It was a quarantine birthday. (laughs) But the next day, June 24th, I woke up and something just kind of clicked and it was like, get up, get off your ass, get off the couch, do something, do something. And so, like, it just kind of started with that, like, kind of little motivational, personal pep talk, like, do something, fix this situation because you can. You're the only one who can. And so, I kind of started just saying, okay, okay, this is what happened. I, I realize now that, you know, I played a part in it, but it was also just the wrong environment for me. So how do I fix that? what am I good at? Okay. I, I like to teach. I like to, I like government. I like politics. I like this. I like, I kind of just started making a list of all the things I'm good at, all the things I can do and I can offer to the world. What are things that people would pay me to do?
1: Smart.
2: Piecing it together. And I basically just made a vow to myself. I'm like, I will never put myself in that situation again, ever. And, and, and I want to get to the point where like, I can work for myself That way I can be the boss and I can still have my dream of being a CEO, being an, you know, an executive, but I don't have to do it on somebody else's, um, you know, like bandwidth or desire or whatever. And so that's literally what kind of took me down this path of starting what I have now, which is my organization Politicom.
1: Yeah. So tell us, you know, well, I have a question before I, I, I move forward, um, what was, when, like, what was it, how did you make the decision to leave your, your job, you know, in the middle of a pandemic when people have lost their jobs, and, you know what I mean, like, and and how, like, how did you make that decision, and. Um... That's a, that's a great question, and I think,
2: you know, when your body's talking to you, like, and listen to it. Um, And that was really what happened to me. My body started telling me that I don't belong in this space by literally having me have panic attacks. I started having panic attacks when I would go into work. I remember one day I was sitting in the office and I'm just like, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch my breath. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And, you know, I was like, okay, I'm 31. I can't possibly be having a heart attack. It has to be something else. And so I called a friend. Who was a mental health professional and I'm like this is what's happening tell me what's wrong with me and she's like christina like sounds like you're having a, a panic attack she's like you need to breathe you need to sit down you need to decompress and figure out what's t- triggering you to this point that your body is literally manifesting the stress out and so that's what I did and and I, I was like it's the job it's it's nothing else but the job <laughs> like, yeah. it's the job and so I didn't I didn't I didn't have an exit plan I didn't have a plan B I didn't have another job lined up I just was like if it's if it's this bad that my body is telling me that something's wrong I need to leave I, so I just I left it was it was like the Tuesday after Memorial Day sent in my notice I was gone I was gone amazing. I couldn't do it anymore I couldn't do it anymore but amazing. it was it was in retrospect, you know, they always say hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty. In retrospect, it was the best and worst time of my life <laughs> because I, I learned so much about, you know, what my personality is, what my leadership style is, what I like, what I don't like, what type of work environment I want to be in, who I want to work with, how to take care of myself, how to balance myself and not give, like, I learned so much and I, it was hard to realize it then, but looking at it now, it's like, it's like, I wouldn't put myself through that if I had a choice, but with everything that I learned, it was kind of like, I'm grateful that that happened. I can say that now. I definitely was not able to say that back then, but definitely. Sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think, you know, for anybody listening that's going through this, um, hearing that you not only came out better on the other side, but, um, you know you've created something really special and there are so many people that are stuck in in jobs that they are not happy with and they are physically suffering and um you know sometimes they just need to hear these things but i also love the exercise you did in writing down all your amazing qualities and and self reflection is a big part of of that grief journey
0: as well yeah. so um You know, you talked about when you were in the job and you were pushing yourself so hard because you had a fear of failure. Now, did that fear of failure, were you able to shed that through the process of quitting or what did it come to when you were writing your list down going, this is what I love, but what if I'm terrible at it? What if I fail? (laughs) How how did that that failure mentality translate into the next phase?
2: Corey, you're like, you're really good at just calling things out. I love that. (laughs) isn't he? <laughs> He's really good at it. Yes, Yes, um, it It's not something that has left me overnight. It's something that I had to learn and be cognizant of that is a trait of mine. And I realized it, you know, stemmed from how I was raised. I had a very OCD perfectionist father, and that definitely just kind of like translated into who I am today. And it, it's led to a lot of my successes, but it's also led to a lot of the anxiety that I have about about my successes and how to, you know, deal and, and, and compensate and, and overcompensate when I'm thinking that I might do something or people might think I'm a fraud or I don't belong or I'm this or I'm that, um, you know, and it's, it's definitely something that through just having a really good therapist and just learning to just take, take the time to just learn to love myself and accept myself and all of my flaws and, you know, inconsistencies and imperfections and all the things that make me me, I've learned to love them because it was the inability for me to love my flaws and my shortcomings that was causing me to just do so much to try to overcompensate externally because I didn't want people to look at me like I was not good enough or that I was, you know, a failure, which just in my mind just kept like, it was like a repeating refrain Mm -hmm. that like, they're going to figure me out. They're going to see through me. They're going to, they're going to, I'm going to be exposed. And like, I really just had to get that out. And so it's been a constant journey of learning how to accept me for me. Um, But I can definitely say I it's, it's been about a year of this process and this journey of becoming, right. You could call it my process of becoming and I I, loving this version of who I am now and accepting flaws and all what I bring
0: to the table. Imposter syndrome is such a scary, dangerous thing. It is like, it's, it's rough. I get it. I get it.
2: Yeah. 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 And especially like, you know, as, as I would say, like, you know, in, in the hats that I wear, um, as a, as a black woman, you know, I'm usually the only, or I'm usually the first in, in many rooms that I frequent. And so that imposter syndrome has, you know, really taken a toll a lot of times and a lot of things I do. And so getting over that and learning how to manage that and removing the anxiety that comes with that has been um, really a a key tool for me to overcome.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about some of those hats because I think you're being a little humble. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, you started Politicom and let's tell our listeners um, a little bit more about about, you know, Politicom and, and what you guys do.
2: Awesome. Yeah. So I guess that I have to, in order to do that, I've kind of have to step back a little bit and give a little bit of my story. Um, but I ran for office when I was 27 years old. I also happened to be pregnant with my second son when I did that. Um, I, <laughs> I literally took the oath of office um, March 22nd. Gave birth April eighth. Wow. Later I was yeah giving birth to a whole baby, and then <laughs> yeah. and then four days later I was sitting on a dais. I'm um, ready to serve my community, um. And you know, in retrospect, in hindsight, you know, a lot of that hundred percent. It's a huge accomplishment. But I think part of it also was that like that imposter syndrome too. Like I have some, I had something to prove. I had to prove that I belong there and I could have definitely missed that first commission meeting Had <laughs> <at, laughs> a baby, but I felt like I had something to prove. Like I felt like I'm not gonna let anybody tell me that, you know, I wasn't doing my job because I just had a baby. It was just like, it was like, I had to prove that point, Um, you know? Yeah, but
1: I mean, that's another thing to mention is like, as, as a female, right? Um, there's, you know, like you have so many, there's so many layers of, of adversity that you've been facing in all of your, and everything. So I'm glad you, you bring all of these things up because it's, it's, it's complicated.
2: It's complicated. <laughs> it's, it's, it's complicated for sure. Um, so I, I really, you know, just went through, uh, the journey of being the youngest elected official in, in all of Palm Beach County, um, for, Amazing. for a very long time. And, um, you know, I, I, lots of highs and lows, steep learning curve, you know, had never really, I had served on boards, but had never really like been in an elected capacity before. So I had a lot to learn. And I had a lot to learn in this very dog eat dog world of politics that not everybody's your friend and you can't trust everybody. And some people really are just there just to kind of like, you know, stomp you out as much as they possibly can so that they can get to where they want to go. And so I had to learn a lot of those lessons the hard way. And it, you know, through it all, like I was still building out my own personal life, which is where the whole, you know, employer situation, job situation came from, and everything. Um, and then that summer, you know, when I resigned and I was just kind of sitting back and reflecting, okay, like what am I good at? What have, what 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 would I like to do? What would I what could I do that could contribute to the world, still give me the satisfaction, um, and the desire that I have to help and give back to other people but at the same time support me and support my family what can I do um and it really just kind of came from all of the experiences that I went through like the, the the fact that I came into politics brand new and had to learn things the hard way the fact that Um, You know, I had great people who just surrounded me and supported me and gave me the balance I needed to do the job and to do it well. And then the fact that I had to do a lot of personal reflection and inflection in order to get better and be a better version of myself um, to serve the people that I serve. I just took all of those life experiences and put it into a company. And that's really what Politicom is. Politicom, our tagline is keep calm. It's just politics. And we focus on providing training and education, providing coaching and mentorship, and providing access to mental health resources for every public servant who's out there who needs them. So that's who we are, that's what we do. And we launched January 20th, Inauguration Day. And it was a beautiful just kind of outpouring of all the personal experiences that I had been through over these last few years since I've been in office. And putting that in a platform that will help other people who want to make changes in the communities, who want to, you know, do things to make a lasting difference, that they can have the support and resources they need to be the best possible public servants they can be.
0: And that's a really good point, too, because you think about just anybody really in elected office, I mean, the the pressure to to do your job and to represent a collective group of people who have different opinions on what you should be or what you shouldn't be, or what you should be doing. They carry a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, a mental, uh, mental health, uh, baggage, I guess.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bird yeah, and burdens. So. And, yeah. you know, cause like, and, and I feel like when you're, when you're an elected official, right? Like you, you chose to do that because you have a passion for people. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just your own burden, but you're carrying, you know, the larger (laughs) collective's burden as well. And it's just that, I mean, I, the, the, the mental taxation of that is, has got to be, the magnitude is, is huge. And
2: yeah, it's huge. And then, you know, you think of the pandemic and just how I was like, and again, like, the outgrowth of this company really stemmed from just the the period of time that I was going through within the pandemic where, you know, so many people were isolated. So many people were going through their own mental health struggles and, you know, being elected officials, so many people are looking to me and looking for my support and guidance and leadership. And I felt so drained and empty that I couldn't even sustain and support myself. So let alone be able to be full enough to pour out and Support others. It I I just was in a really low place in my life, and so I just thought of okay, if I could go through this, if I could you know deal with this, how many others are doing this, and and how many others don't maybe have the means and the privilege that I have to be able to go get a therapist or to be able to call a friend who could tell me, Christina, what you're experiencing is, is called a panic attack. Get help. <laughs> right. Like, how many people maybe don't even have that ability to do that, and so it really like and again hero complex here. I took something that was a personal like situation that happened to me and said, how can I help others who may be going through this or who may sometime in the future go through this and make sure that no one ever has to go through this again, hopefully, Um, or at least they know that the resource exists.
0: Well, that's great too, because I mean, and I'm sure going through everything you went through, not only um, with, with the job transitions, but just with your mental health, with your experiences in office, You're probably creating, working to to create a culture within your company where all those things that you felt that were, you had to work against, are now being supported and nurtured, and I'm sure too, just being able to be, you know, at the top of it, saying like, this is how we're gonna run, run, you know, run the run the school the schoolyard, has been really, uh, really probably very validating for you and just um, very emotionally satisfying, so.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's taking all of those experiences, taking all those life experiences, everything that I've learned from people who I've interacted with and just saying, you know, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that, <laughs> but we will do this, I like this, I'm going to bring that into this space um, and, and taking, you know, also, all the things that I've seen from the political world and seeing what works and what doesn't work and trying to build that into our training and education platforms so that we can coach and and teach other organizations how to be better and do better Um, and you know you think of government and how impactful it is in all of our lives like in some way shape or form government touches all of our lives and then you think of the people who run and manage government and if they're not at their 100 percent they're then giving us whatever is left. <laughs> and hence the reason why sometimes our government is so out of whack. And, you know, I, I've when I've really gone into what politicom is and why it's it I set it up, people are always like, that makes so much sense. Why didn't somebody think of this sooner? And right. I'm like, yeah. Exactly. I'm like yeah. exactly. But you just don't realize, like you, you just get used to things the way they are, and you don't think that why don't we just try to make it better
1: like the <laughs>
0: right
1: <laughs> it's so good yeah. i love it it's so true um so yeah i mean this this has been such a, a great conversation i feel like um it, we're opening the eyes of, of everyone to you know just uh, what like one of the biggest takeaways i'm i'm getting from from talking to you is um the self-reflection yeah. and, um, like the opportunities when we take a step back and listen to ourselves. Um, and, you know, once we do that, we are able to make that bigger impact and that's, I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, that's, that's how we got connected because you're, you're out here making so many impacts.
0: <laughs> I was going to say really it's trusting yourself. And I think because we, we exist in a world where we, we, we equate our value sometimes to our jobs we, we tie ourselves so closely to our jobs and like we we have the conversation you know we, we work sometimes more than 40 hours a week you know our coworkers become our family it's there's you got to be able to to recognize and listen to yourself when you're saying okay this needs to change and trust yourself that you will be okay because really you will be okay you're not going to be you know, you think if I leave my job, I'm going to be on the streets. No, you're not. You're gonna be okay. There are people hiring. You'll you'll still get a job somewhere else. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right? and and Corey, like that's
2: that's such a great point. And I was deathly afraid. I really was. I was deathly afraid to walk away from the salary. Deathly afraid of what would it what would it look like to have nothing coming into my bank account, and for however long that may be. You know, I was deathly afraid, and so I. I continued to allow the trauma at this job to happen because I was afraid of what the alternative would be, right? And yet, and yet, as much as I tried to avoid it, the alternative was so much better. It was so much better because having, you know, like taking care of myself and getting a therapist who was able to really kind of help me unpack and unload all the drama and trauma and issues and everything, I became a better wife to my husband. He's like, I love you again, babe. <laughs> He's like, again. So you're not yelling and stressing at me all the time. And, you know, my kids, like my two boys, like they got their mom back and I got to spend much more time with them and take them into the park and take them, pick them up from school and, and, you know, bring them to their events and watch their karate matches and everything. You know, I became a better employee, like working at my current job now, you know, I, I have a great staff I work with and my boss, my employer, um, she's amazing. And like, she had kind of like a similar story in terms of where she came from so like she brought that into the space that she created with path to college which is where I work now and like so like my story definitely resonates with her and she's like Christina like you'll never have to worry about that here and so like we work so well together and we're such a great team and organization. And then she's really super supportive of what I'm building, my little side hustle here, but that's becoming way more than a side hustle because as more people learn and understand what Politicalm is, it's, it's just growing by leaps and bounds like way faster than I ever thought it would be. Cause initially it just kind of started off as like just something I'm gonna do to like, you know, make sure I don't ever have to have a job again. And now it's like, becoming, it's really becoming something way more than that. And so she's super supportive of that and supports, believes in the mission. And it's kind of like, I see myself in her you know, and in a few years, because it's like she literally started Path to College for that very reason. She had a terrible experience at, her, at a previous job. She's like, I'm gonna do something to change the world, but also like make a difference. You know, um, um, and do something that's gonna self-sustain me. And to see her doing what she's doing and having success with it, um, and to know that she supports wholeheartedly what I'm doing. And you know, she's even said it to me. She's like, Christina, I'm really not gonna be here forever, but I just want the time here, <laughs> the time that you're here. Like you're really, you know, able to just benefit and and glean so much from this organization. And like, that's exactly what it's been. It's been a great opportunity to learn how to be a good employee and a good coworker. That way I can build that, 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 you know, that platform and and that, that culture in my company that I'm, that I'm creating and, and hopefully we'll have, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees all over the world. So it's, it's super exciting to just be in this space and to have healed from all of that trauma that happened. Um, and to know that there was definitely rainbows and butterflies on the other side of all the darkness that I went through at that last employer. So I love
0: great. it. it was so yeah. cool.
1: So cool. It's, it's, it's such, your story is so great and I really appreciate you sharing it with us. So one of the ways, well, the way we end every episode is we ask our guest to complete this phrase, it can be a word, it can be um, a sentence, but we ask you to complete grief is
2: a learning experience.
1: Absolutely, 200%. Um, and I really think that uh, you're going to jumpstart a lot of people's futures right now, um, for sure, after hearing your story and hopefully checking out everything you've got going on um, and, and you know, inspiring everybody Uh, to make an impact like you are so thank you so very much Christina for joining us today thank you Corey um, for being you (laughs) thank you
2: for having me and thank you for this amazing Mm -hmm. platform too like I think it's so important you know as we talked about in the beginning to talk about those workplace moments of grief uh, because it's such a huge part of our lives and it really a lot of times identifies who we are right you usually introduce yourself by saying hi i'm christina i'm the director or ceo or manager or coordinator like you you self-identify with that role and so when it becomes such a toxic environment um it's hard to overcome that and it's hard to separate yourself from that and so spaces like this that allow us to just kind of process it and heal it and realize that we are not our jobs and our jobs are not us Really is important. So thank you for the work that you guys are doing. I appreciate
0: it's 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 what you do. It's not. who you. I
2: agree exactly. Exactly.
1: Yes. Right. Well, and and you know one thing that I I'll 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 mention is that um well back when I was dating um one of the things that people would say they always wanted Mm -hmm. to say oh what do you do, and so I would tell them I paddleboard I do yoga I never went straight for my job because so many people also prejudged me on my job for a lot of different things. And I was like, you know what, but that's like a quarter of who I am. You know what I mean? And I think the biggest, you know, message here is that like, everything is a piece of the puzzle, family, job, you know, you're made up of a bunch of pieces, not just your job or not just being a mom or not just being a woman or a man or a, you know, or your sexuality, like it, it's all pieces of the puzzle. And when any one of those pieces gets off balance, everything goes to, to, to ruins. So just making sure that you keep a balance between all your puzzle pieces, I think is really Wonderful. key. <laughs>
2: thank you guys.
0: All yeah. right, everyone. um Thank you thank for being on the show you. today. Thank you everyone who's listening and uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: Bye everybody.